Hello, and welcome to a podcast of power, Save the Cat, Grab Bag Minisode. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And today we're just going to be looking at a few sort of uh, peripheral things around the orbit of episodes 5 and 6 of season 5. Yes, uh, just some some real some real good canon supplementary material. Um, I say canon supplementary because uh, these are three pieces of media which were either like directly cut content from the episodes, or they were uh, sort of scenes that never quite made it in. That's right. So. In order today, we will be talking about the Save the Cat annotated script that was released uh, uh, late last year, um, which has some interesting changes and like just is kind of a look at how a, the script for an episode evolves. Uh, we'll be looking at a cut animatic from Save the Cat involving Glimmer, and then we will be going over uh, the fan fiction Don't Go by Anna Charlier, which is of course a a uh, collection of sort of cut scenes from stra- uh, from Taking Control, written by Noel Stevenson. Yes, it's um, it's like Don't Go is interesting because it's kind of like a, it's like both cut scenes and then it's also a like kind of in between like uh, in between Save the Cat and Taking Control. Sort of it, it fills that that in space pretty much immediately after uh save the cat ends which is pretty interesting yeah it is it fills in immediately after save the cat ends and immediately after taking control ends those are the two big parts of the episode that it fills in so it's it's to me it is basically canon it is like apocrypha um it's something that i think you can easily take into account when talking about the text of the show because these are things that happen like right off screen pretty much exactly it's one of those things that's like you know this is even if this didn't happen on the screen the intent behind it is still present in the text um so it's it's good i think to if nothing else like read this material you know see it and like understand like you know where where uh where it sort of helps pull the story along in in season five but before we we'll, we we'll be finishing off with that because i think we'll have the most to talk about with that one so let's start with this save the cat script so this is an early like a like an early finished draft of this it, it's pretty similar in most regards um the 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 big changes are like certain uh pieces of horde primitive conversations and also a few cut quips um that is what i noticed when i read through it like everything else seems to be pretty similar i think one of the the main value of this is as i said at the beginning of this it is a very interesting look at how scripts are written and how they evolve into a finished product yeah exactly exactly like i'm like i'm looking at this and i have like a little bit of like screenwriting experience from a lot of other things i've done like other projects i've had in the past and like this this does this looks like probably uh a late revision this is the it's obviously not the finished script but this was this was pretty late in 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 production this is like basically you could you could use this to produce an episode of television like this doesn't really need a lot of additional massaging to 
to become anything. It's mostly just copy editing at this point. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's always interesting to see the stage directions for things. I, I always find that it's like, uh, it's very, very interesting to be able to get a look at the sort of, uh, the director's sort of stage directions here, um, and these kind of things, because it, it often lays subtext, uh, it lays the subtext out, uh, really clearly in case it wasn't, like, super obvious before, but it also, like, um, it, it gives you an idea of how, uh, the actors, or in this case the animators, like, had to, um, sort of get the characters to emote and and uh develop their performances and it's it's really interesting to, to take a look at that kind of stuff yeah um so i guess i think we should start with the most like substantial change which is the the sort of conversation between horde prime and adora once catra enters the scene because uh, there are a few small uh differences between this script and the finished episode so for one there's a lot more comms chatter between entrapped bow and glimmer mm. um like there's just a there's just a bit more dialogue Two, adora is like a bit quippier and snappier with horde prime uh when she enters and sees him getting the juice uh she's like uh should i leave or something you know it's like just sort of like a a, a flippant comment yeah which is kind of a mood that is uh, not in the finished episode. Yeah, and I think largely that's a good thing. Both of those decisions to both cut the comms chatter back a bit and also to make Adora a little more serious. I think those are both really good decisions. Um, uh, the first thing, because I, I feel like... I think they got the information across really well in the episode, and additional comms chatter I think would have taken up um, a little bit more of the atmospheric space that was kind of being developed. I think that like making it, it makes the Velvet Glove itself feel more hostile and isolating if uh, the comms chatter is like less um, like less pronounced. The uh, but the main thing that changes a lot here is that the romantic overtones of the uh fight between Catra and Adora is like bumped up a lot in this uh specifically what has some dialogue from Horde Prime like just a few things so uh, Horde Prime after Adora claims uh that she's gonna blow up the the the, uh, the station with the heart of Athera he's like uh, he says forgive me I do not mean to laugh you're not going to use the weapon or you already would have done so it's like okay that's pretty much what he says in the episode and then he follows it up with, You are Ethereum, so blinded by petty, selfish love, you would never risk the safety of your Catra. Yeah, so so that's that's obviously pretty interesting. So the primary change seems to largely be that Horde Prime really lays Adora's shit out on the table way, way harder in, in this annotated script, this this sort of early draft here. Like he is really reading her um as as hard as he can just really trying to to hammer home this like you know unspoken the unspoken truth uh on on the table here that like why did you why did you come back for catcher well obviously it's because you love her you fucking emotional moron and it's like yeah that's and it's it's a much more 
like it's it's way way more extremely laid out here like um <laughs> this one really specific paragraph here do you want to take this one sure so this is after um he has kind of laid out the stuff with the first ones there's actually a small change i really like to his line uh where he's talking about the first ones where he says the the name of those uh long forgotten tyrants is completely lost but you call them the first ones um because like i really like the idea that because he doesn't really say that um but i like the idea that the first ones are like just f- completely forgotten even by him he doesn't even remember what they were called i do like that i kind of do wish they kept that because that's a good line so then but this is where the part where he uh, she has started asking about katra and she is like in the shadows and horde prime says this to adora of course you're katra Bitter enemies, and yet the two of you can never seem to stay away from each other, can you? Alright, that's already that's already playing it pretty heavy there, Prime, but then he continues. You used to talk of ruling the world together up on that little spot on the roof that only you know about. Then you left. You broke her heart. You always wanted more. But all she ever wanted was you. Ugh. Now that's uh, pretty pretty on the nose there, my this guy. Is very explicitly laying some things out here. And I'm glad that they changed this. I'm glad that they kept this stuff out of Save the Cat, because I think doing this so early in season five kind of changes a lot of things. It does. It really would. I also, but like, I also really love the idea that Hort, the, the, how personal he gets in this pair, in this sort of uh, exchange of dialogue. Like he's he is never uses any specifics in the episode, but here he is literally talking about the perch. Right, he is talking about that spot that we see all the time. Yeah, it's like it's it's it is shockingly personal for for this dude, and like. But it really, it works for his character in a lot of ways, because that's kind of his M.O. Yes. He, like, he uses that personal information uh, against you, like, really hard. That's, like, one of his big things. But I, I, I do I do agree. I think that it's it's better that they, they left uh, that bit a little bit more subtle here, because I think that, like the way that Adora in specific comes to the realization about this stuff is uh that's that's really important i think that that's a really critical like axis upon which season 5 turns and if you laid if the dude laid her situation out in front of her that hard it would be pretty difficult to justify having Adora still not really get it you know like regardless of the fact that it's coming from Horde Prime that's the kind of stuff that makes you sit down and actually think about stuff no matter how you know emotionally uh out of touch you are with yourself yes absolutely the other thing that this is uh the script really turns up the dial on is the religious stuff with horde prime if you thought it was like extremely heavy-handed and like very much textual in the actual episode listen to some of this 
Um, so he says about Catra, I have made her anew. I saw her mind so ensnared in rage and grief and pain, and I brought her to the light. Isn't that right, little sister? I do not believe he says, I made her anew. Yeah, no, he doesn't say I made her anew, because that that's like... Like if we want to talk about some some stuff that that Horde Prime has has said that's like very like biblical, right? Like Vessel of Destruction's very up there, but I have made her anew is like so that's like that's that is the entire nose. That's not even on the nose. You've you've removed the nose and put the nose on the table. He also says, do not weep for her. All I have done is what I will soon do to all the universe. I have given you, you her peace, something you could never do. Would you deny her that? Now, I believe that line is delivered by Catra to some effect in uh, in the uh, in the episode. But this Horde Prime delivering this uh, paints a very different picture. Also, do not weep for her. Yeah, this this takes on such a more like... So, Horde Prime, as he is characterized in this script, is interesting because he takes on much more of a gospel, like like uh, he he's like clerically dispensing stuff to 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 Adora here. This isn't just like Horde Prime is the master of the universe and is revered by his clones and followers is a god situation this is horde prime believes in his entirety that he is a god which is a very different approach and i think you can read into the fact that horde prime does see himself as a god in the actual like text of the of of season five like the actual text of the body of work but here it's a lot stronger and that that paints a sort it paints with a different brush i think so here's some other uh bits here so during this is during uh catherine adora's fight uh this is when she's like thrown into the screens and the ship is exploding um so the the screen directions uh go as thus the screens above catra groan and shift sending out more sparks adora's brow knits in concern catra looks at the screens and then at adora with a smirk and stands her ground, spreading her arms to welcome it. That's not how it happens in the episode. No, no, it's not. It's like, what's interesting. So I guess the way that it seems like they were originally intending it to go was the scene where Katra, like uh, controlled Katra, acts like she's going to drop herself off of the side of the, the cliff. They sort of took that same idea, um, but they used it instead um with the exploding screens and having her like put herself in harm's way with the screens themselves and then like getting knocked back by that is what causes the chip to get damaged i think i prefer i I definitely think i prefer the way they did it in the actual episode itself i think that having the screen thing be be like a separate and like delineated thing from the rest of the fights being like the moment because i think there's like there's an amount of like symbolism in having the screen itself um exploding being the thing that breaks the control over her temporarily i should say they do both in this script uh the the part where she uh dangles herself over the edge is also in this right 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 um so maybe the reason they changed it was like they were looking at the stuff with the screens like well 
we already did this once. Do we really need this one? Um, and they changed it to Adora, like, tackling her away from the explosions instead. Which she still does in this script, but uh, Catra is not, like, restrained during that. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's for the best, obviously, because, like, one, repetition, I feel like, in this sort of a scene is probably a bad call. But the the other thing, um, more than that, like I was saying, was just, like, the, the symbolism is really strong here. You, you're the like we've talked before about how these big uh sort of floaty screens are really reminiscent of these sort of really large church organizations and how they have these um these typically very big projector screens or like jumbotron style screens um where they project a lot of like propagandistic or like faith material like behind them while they're doing stuff and having that like being removed from the scene as like the direct cause for her to like um to regain a a like amount of of clarity and um like uh self-agency again i think i think that's really good symbolism i think that i i really really like the way that they ended up actually changing that scene in the end another change uh heavily changed scene is the bit where uh catra shakes the control and, and tells Adora she shouldn't have come back. In the script, she is standing apart from Adora during that. Um, but of course, in the final episode, they're on the ground together. So that's much better. Yeah, I think that's much better. Because like in this, the, you know, you, we both know I don't matter. You matter to me scene seems to be like taking place with them, like standing several feet apart and kind of shouting it at each other. And I think it dramatically it just works dramatically better where they're both like in this much more intimate like close space while they're while they're saying this in like a like a quieter sort of tone like i I think that that really 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 works a lot better it it makes it much much more intimate and the in it's the intimacy i think of this collection of scenes here the scenes between um Catra and Adora in this episode I think that's what sells it I think that's what really takes it to to the level that it gets to so so maximizing that I think is definitely the the correct decision one final big change here the rest of the episode is pretty much the same uh but I think a very big change like not to the the extent of the Horde Prime and Catra changes obviously but this bit here, after she has uh, rescued Catra and is back in Shira form, the the bit where she encounters the the team again, um, in the episode she's completely silent during that segment. Uh, like she says, as Shira, she says, "You miscalculated." Then talks to Darla. I don't think there's any dialogue between those two things. Um, in this, uh, she like says, "Hey guys, guess who's back?" to uh, to Bo and Glimmer which is yeah i corny i don't like that a whole lot because like the the level of the the solemnness in how she behaves at the end of save the cat like post uh catra smashing into the ground is like again that's one of the things that really sells it like this is the one and only time in the show that we see adora act like this She's so boisterous and so loud and so bombastic um, in, 
like either a jocular way or an angry way in like all the time but in just the this this ending part of the episode she is completely stone-faced serious and does not do anything that is not directly related to getting Katra out of there and getting her to safety. The only exception is that is is the jab at Horde Prime to tell him that he miscalculated. Absolutely nothing else is the there's no additional words spared that are not critical to anything she needs to do at any time until Katra is actually safe. And that's really important. That sells the emotions of the scene. If she was like cracking jokes, it all I feel like would have fallen apart. It would have felt it would not have had the dramatic weight that it actually carries. So, so again, another pretty good change. Yeah. So that is the uh, the the script for Save the Cat. It is a very interesting look at the sort of um, you know process of an episode going through this i want to i want to read a few more scripts like this uh, especially heart part one and two um although i know that there is a video out there of aj michelle and amy carrera reading from the the old script like the the final oh i saw that when i was looking for the clip to put in the save the cat episode actually that was one of the the videos that kept coming up and i was like "Ooh, i gotta watch this but i'll watch it at some point in the future um I would recommend that anyone uh, goes and takes a look at this script. Um, however, Be careful. Maybe find a website that isn't scribd.com to do it on. Scribd is a website that wants you to uh, put your credit card information in for a free trial, which is never a good sign. Yeah, and then it immediately cancels your free trial and charges you twice for ten ninety nine. So, Well, that didn't happen to me, but that did happen to you. So it could <laughs> happen to anyone. It, like, it just seems to be a random thing that can happen. Um... But yeah, so be aware. Just be careful when signing up for that. And make sure you unsubscribe from Scrib uh, before it charges you at the end of the month, um, unless you're planning to use it, which I am not. Yeah. Um, there is uh, another thing actually from Save the Cat here, and that is um, in in the episode during the bit where Glimmer is running through the corridors. Um, and she's uh, by she's trying to find the the prison cells. Um, there's a scene uh, where she looks uh, very anxious. She's starting to sort of have this kind of encroaching panic attack come come towards her. And then she gets that call from from Bo, and you know he asks you know if she's doing okay. That scene was at one point a lot longer and a, a full uh, 40 seconds longer and um at one point there uh there there was like this entire scene planned out where glimmer has this kind of half flashback half like hallucination of uh, of a horde clone kind of walking her to her cell past Katra, and she's kind of trying to run away from this uh, from this memory and uh, from this perceived danger. And the uh, it just feels like the whole the whole of the ship is like crushing her and and closing in on her. And uh, it's it's a it's a really really 
tense scene. There's a lot of silence in it other than like, there's no, there's not a lot of music that's happening in it. It's mostly just the sound of footsteps and glimmer breathing like progressively faster and heavier as she like starts to go through a panic attack before Bo calls in and, and, and actually brings her out of it. It's like, it's a, it's a super heavy scene actually. And I like, I understand why they didn't end up putting it in. And the final scene does kind of retain the spirit of it, I think, but it's also just, it's really good. And I kind of wish it still made it in. Yeah. It's extremely, the atmosphere is extremely oppressive. Uh, There's a bit I very much like, I believe there's the shot of her looking at the two hallways in the episode. I think that's there. Yeah. That's, that's the shot that she actually has like everything up until, um, it cuts to like the flashback hallucination like until like that second is where uh the cut happens because uh like the the two hallways and then the camera does like a, a rack focus on on her breathing really heavy and closing her eyes and then Bo calls in the actual episode but in in this it continues well the thing i really like about this one is that she has this flashback which ends with horde prime snapping um and then I believe she turns back and starts running the other way. She does, yeah. Like back from where she came, which is like very interesting. She like hunkers down behind a pillar, and it's, it's like clutching her head. It's it's very much it's a, it's a much heavier scene. It's a much longer scene. I really like the 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 snap is a very cool flourish to sort of bring her out of that flashback. Yeah, it's like it's great. So yeah, that is the the kind of animatic. Uh, it is. Know, you know, yet again, there's all sorts of stuff that's cut from these shows that, you know, they need more time, they need other, they have other scenes they want to do more. Yeah, sometimes it's just like a pacing and a flow thing, honestly. At the same time, the scene they that actually made it into the episode has most, many of the same ideas of this one behind it, it's just not as detailed. Um, so, now it's time to get into the main event here, I think. Uh, we, we've read through the old script to say the cat. We've watched this animatic. Now it's time for the fanfic. And I think everyone listening to this absolutely has to have read the fanfic at this point. Yeah, I certainly hope so. It's it's really good. It's not it's not very long. It's one chapter long. It's like, what is it? How many? It's, it's just like a little over 5,000 words. It's not super. It's not super long. It's not a long read, I will say that you that this this is like it's such a very personal like fic it's very 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 like internal in a lot of ways there's not an especially large amount of dialogue it's mostly just in like it's mostly internal dialogue it's mostly mood setting and i think it's really really good yeah and uh you know it's of course i think by now everyone knows the lore if you haven't read the fic we'll have a link to it in the uh the the description on patreon you should definitely go read it uh if you haven't somehow and then uh, resume this episode so this fic was written was published on the uh the the 5th of january uh the 5th of uh or no the 20th of may yeah 2025 20 i'm sorry i think ao3 uses the stupid fucking uh european date thing which always fucks me up. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, it's the, it's May twentieth, twenty twenty. So that shit. month, day, small to big, day, month, year. It's easy. <sighs> I know, I know. I <sighs> regardless, May 
2020, which is like five days after season five premiered. So this is written by Anna Charlier, which is, of course, a pseudonym for Noelle Stevenson. This is all on the record. They admitted it on Twitter after uh, he drew some fan art of this fanfic um, shortly after season five. Uh, the the scene from the end where they're on the bed together that they drew a picture of that and everyone was like hey wait a minute yeah because at the time this was not like this isn't like a massive smash hit no or at least not at the time it was not a massive smash hit fic it was like obviously people liked it but it was like not that big uh but so so that was like it was a pretty this is a pretty big giveaway that if you know like if they didn't write it somebody did so you know like they admitted it um there I, th- I believe the tweet was now everyone knows that uh, my secret i just love hurt comfort um and we all listen that's not a secret we already knew that noel yeah no you sort of wore that one on your sleeve here uh but that's that's okay we all we all love it too um yeah let's 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 dig right in so uh, so this, this fic takes place in sort of three, like, uh, microcosms of time. Um, you have the first portion, which takes place immediately after, uh, the camera cuts, um, in, in Save the Cat. You have a sort of middle portion that takes place, um, like, during the scene where, um, where Katra sort of lashes out at Adora. It's like, it's, it's, it doesn't touch on the actual dialogue of the scene, but it is entirely like her internal world, like while it's happening. And then of course the last portion of it is, um, is, uh, after the, uh, the end of, um, taking control. And it is, it's, it's, it's just really good is the thing. It turns out when the, the showrunner in Maine, like, creative mind behind the show uh writes a piece of fanfic it it uh it's good um and you know so we start right after save the cat right after the end of that where it's just like it's just them getting catcher into bed she has a panic attack about thinking it's not real um i believe there was someone who was a, a curious cat or something who was asking about Catra if Catra had like hallucinations or something this seems to confirm that that prime was just kind of fucking with her head uh for fun yeah it seems it seems like based on the way that she reacts here during her sort of like unreality panic mode is she's like she's acting as if this is like something that's happened before like prime had at one point like simulated adora coming to get her or or otherwise did some sort of like mental manipulation to make her feel like that was happening and then used it against her um so and and she and she'll she talks about like you know it's I, i told you she's not coming back from me just ended already you know so it's like she she's very she's very like she's she's experiencing a lot of of bad emotions in this scene a lot of like post torture uh emotions here scratching at her head her neck um 
there's a very good bit where after she says that like please she's not coming back just get it over with line where dora thinks to herself that she's going to kill horde prime with her own hands and she's going to enjoy it yes and she does to both counts and it's amazing yep that is absolutely true. It's like, I, I, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the main reason most of these scenes were seemingly cut is because this, this is, like, heavy shit right here. Already, the stuff in the episode was pretty heavy. This is, like, and also, you know, they pepper in some swears. It's a rated T-fic. You got some swears in there. Oh, yeah, no, they they do say damn. They, they do, do they say fuck? No, they don't, don't say they fuck. Say they fuck. say dumbass. They do say dumbass, um, but yeah, it's it is a rated T for teens, so you know check the ESRB rating on this one. But uh, but yeah, it's like the they get a lot more a lot more overt with a lot of the theming that is taking place in in these episodes here, which makes sense because you have to understand like this this is all like. You could probably count the amount of actual spoken word dialogue uh, in this piece of writing on both hands, because uh, everything else is all of this just sort of landscape painting of how uh, Catra and Adora are seeing uh, this situation and their and their own sort of mental scapes as they as they sort of navigate it and. It's like there's there's some really choice lines in this actually. There's one one that super gets me is right towards the beginning of this of this fic where um where Katra is and, and this takes place all like basically immediately after the end of, of Save the Cat and uh Katra just can't let go. She's dug herself into Adora and she she can't let go of her at all she's 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 too afraid to she feels like if she lets go then you know it's none of it's going to be real and there's a really specific line where uh after she decides she's going to like pick catch her up and carry her to the to the room that Bo and glimmer kind of set up for them um where it's um, her head stays buried in Adora's shoulder, like it's the last safe place in the world. And that that line gets me so bad. That's really good. Another one I really like. So this is after uh, she's kind of calmed Catra down. Um, yeah, Adora. There, we talked a lot about the scene where Adora reaches out to to touch Catra's shoulder and thinks better of it. Um, and here. She said, uh, she thinks, uh, she wants to hold Catra and comfort her, but she figures the gentle touches aren't what Catra needs right now. They would remind her too much of Prime's possessive gestures. Yes, and I, and I love that too. There's so much, like, there's so much, like, human consideration in, in this that it just feels like you believe that these are people with a history and an understanding of each other and an understanding of, like, their emotional states which is just like it's it's really good writing it's 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 pretty incredible there is a bit where catra tries to claw at the the chip um and she asks adora to take the uh the horde uniform off yeah that god that scene that that one that one's pretty rough too she's like 
she catcher just like has this moment where she realizes how confined she still is she feels like she's still like imprisoned in a way because she's still got this uniform on and this chip in her and she can't take it off it's not designed for you to be able to take it off you know there's not a zipper on this thing there's no there's no buttons there's no velcro it's designed to go on and stay on and never come off same thing with the chip and so and catcher is is just crying out like screaming for her to take to to get it off and like Adora is searching for a way to get it off but then just 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 rips it off of her just anything to get it off as fast as possible and it's just like the again it's just the 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 emotionality of it is really it really comes through i am just i'm just going to be reading random passages from some bits as we talk about them because i love this one Free of the uniform, Catra finally seems to relax. Her muscles go slack as she leans back against Adora's chest, breathing steadily now. She looks so small, Adora thinks. In her mind, Catra has been big for so long, a looming shadow of rage and spite and darkness, its shape so unfamiliar to her. But this shape, Catra's narrow, curled-up form, this shape she knows better than anything. Oh! <laughs> Man, it's good. Um, uh, it's pretty good. And like, yeah, we just get her like throwing this, um, throwing this into the airlock, uh, or in, into the incinerator. Actually, she's gonna throw the hoarding. Well, yeah, she says airlock first, and then when she passes by Bo and Glimmer, while she's like sprinting at full tilt through the ship to get some supplies like some blankets and water and shit she like stops and is like hey is there an incinerator on the ship Which, by the way when she <laughs> peeks in they're cuddling on the bed oh yeah Bo and glimmer like totally <laughs> like they they they're 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 doing their own thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it says adora doesn't have time to get into whatever that yeah she doesn't is. have time for that but um, she does give them a knowing smirk before before moving on yeah uh-huh that's true so we also learned something else about the set of, of clothes that Catra has in, in taking control. Those are Adoras. Yes, they are. They are indeed Adoras. It's so she, and this is another detail I really like, where she had like some like tailor who lives at Bright Moon, um, presumably like a royal tailor or something, had uh, them prepare some like small clothes for her that were basically copies of like the standard issue horde wear that they give you as a like as a soldier of the horde because those like that's familiar to her and it would be like comfortable and like comfortable both in like the literal sense but also in kind of the emotional sense because it's very familiar um and so she she felt like okay well you know Katra will probably be pretty appreciative of that kind of a gesture. So so she goes and grabs that, not really thinking about the implications of, of giving Catra her underwear. No, no, not at all. None, none of, none, nothing at all. Um, like, there's so much in here. There, the, the bit where after, or immediately after she tears their uniform off, she gets like sheepish about it. Is very good. Oh yeah, Adora's like she she's just really happy that that Katra is like calmed down a little bit and looks like she's like even a little bit 
better. And then she realizes, realizes, oh wait, she's completely naked, and I'm just like <laughs> staring at her. I should probably get her clothes. Time to look at the wall. Time to look <laughs> Time at the wall for a wall. minute. It's pretty funny. So she gets back. She gives Castro the stuff. Um, and like, there, there's, there's, like, literally. I, I'm trying just not to read the whole thing out loud here, but it's just very good. It's so fucking good. Um, so there's a bit here where where Catra, after she's given Catra the the clothes, uh, Catra asks why she came back for her. I'm looking at the exact bit right now. I knew that was the bit you were going to bring up. And she, uh, so this is what it says. I... Adora's voice trails off in the silence. Catra doesn't let go. The only sound is the soft muffled humming of the ship's engines as it moves through space away from horde prime because uh, she trails off again what is she supposed to say because you're catra she finishes weakly oh god it's like and i i lo- i really love how this goes here because something that's really important about this piece of writing is that despite how obvious it is how much adora loves katra it is still not obvious to her even in this kind of a moment she it's not she can't what is what is she supposed to say she doesn't know she doesn't know what to say here because this isn't something that she's really processed yet. All she knows is that she wants Katra to be safe, and she wants Katra to be with her, and she never ever wants to leave her side ever again for the rest of her life. And that's not the same thing as love at all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, listener, I'll read this to you, and let's see if this sounds like love to you. It probably doesn't. <clears throat> She doesn't want to leave Catra alone. She doesn't want to let her out of her sight ever again. She wants to lie down on the mattress next to her and pull her against her chest and stroke her hair until she falls asleep. She wants to be there if Catra has a nightmare or tries to hurt herself again. She wants to wrap Catra in her arms and absorb her into her chest while she'll be safe and never feel feel pain or fear again. Yeah, it could mean anything. That could mean anything, Adora. I don't know. Uh, that's that's probably normal. That's that's probably totally, totally platonic feelings there. So the second bit of this, there's a, there's a break, and the next bit is from Catra's point of view. Um, so there's some gnarly imagery we get of of the process of chipping something so involving a breathing tube. That was scary. Yeah, no, I'd imagine. It's probably a very invasive process. They probably do... Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you had to intubate somebody if you're doing surgery on their fucking, like, spinal column. So, this is just kind of picking up on what we were getting at in the episode proper, where it is Catra-like sort of punishing herself uh by isolating and, and and not talking to adora exactly uh so here, here we go there isn't a window in catra's room but even if there was there's no day or night to make sense of the passage of time there hasn't been for a while how long has she been in space how long was she under prime's control how long since adora carried her to safety it's all melting together a mix of cold emptiness and feverish dreams 
Catra thrashes from side to side of the bed, kicks the blanket onto the floor, grips her head, but she doesn't cry out. She knows that if she does, Adora will come to help her, and she can't bear to see Adora's stupid, hopeful face again. Yeah, it's like so much of this segment, of Catra's segment, is her just like pushing away as hard as she can. Just a consistent push to try and distance herself from her as much as possible because she doesn't want to she doesn't feel like she she deserves any of that uh like right right the immediate passage below that in fact like and adora's looking at her with that same stupid hopeful look like catcher hasn't spent years trying to burn her and everything she loved and she can't stand it Uh uh-huh so Catra does what she always does. She retreats behind her walls, lashes out, and needles a door where she knows it stings the most. It's what she is. She's an animal, nothing more than base instincts and rotten heart, just as everyone has always said she was. She's poison, she's fire, she's broken glass, and all she knows how to do is hurt and be hurt in turn. Hmm. Hey, where have we heard uh, stuff like that before, I wonder? It's all coming full circle. Yeah, like I, I, I've said this like a half dozen times now, but again, that memoir really, uh, it really adds some layers of depth to a lot of this material. There is another bit here where this is about the scene where Adora confronts Catra to get the chip off. Um, it's not until Adora is staring down at her coldly and offering her the choice to go, to leave them all behind, to never see her again that Catra finally realizes that she can't do it. She spent years alone, empty, angry. Her rage was the only fire that warmed her, but now she's just cold. Her bones are aching, aching with it, and she can't do it for a moment longer. She reaches for Adora. Stay. It's it's so good. It's just like, again, it's just the, the, the paintbrush is masterful here. Just the way that the sort of internal landscape that that these two have is just it's illustrated so well this isn't this isn't a ton of text it's very deliberate text and it's like these are short punchy sentences and a very short piece of writing but every single one of them paints a very very specific emotion and it paints a very clear picture of how these characters actually feel and and are are feeling in this in this scene it's like it's it, it really it really gets me so the next the last half of this fic is set after the end of taking control with her uh the the dinner they all have and there is a very good bit where Adora is like surprised at Catra's lack of reaction. Like, wow, I thought you'd react way stronger to eating real food for the first time. And Catra just uh, just says something effective, like, well, you know, you can just smuggle that shit in, right? Yeah, like I-, I love how this is like official, unofficial confirmation that like a Adora is the biggest square in the entire fright zone, but B also everybody else was eating real food the whole time, and Adora just like didn't know. Nope, just had no fucking idea. <laughs> it's great, but uh, the thing that 
sort of unravels this a bit is this line here from Adora. Um, are you kidding? She mutters. I've been waiting for years for you to join the rebellion so I could see you try real food. And you've been eating it the whole time? And this kind of sends Katra into a spiral um, where it's just kind of like she does realize that it literally was that simple the whole time. Yeah, it's like... And again, the the way the text is illustrating it, right? It's just like, she could have walked away from her pride and her rage and her need to destroy, but instead, she let herself be consumed by it until there was nothing good left in her and the world was burning around her. And she asks, what if it's too late? And she just... She can't move. She can barely breathe. She's incredibly nauseous. She's she's retching. Uh, she's crying so hard, and the sobs are so deep that they're entirely soundless. And it's a lot. I love this passage of of the the, the realization that Catra has. Um, the realization that all of all of these all of the wrong choices she's been making because we say that all the time where it's catcher must choose the wrong choice but this is her realizing it about herself and just collapsing um and then there's this scene which i is i think is maybe my favorite bit uh it's hard to say but i love this scene where she talks to entrapta because uh after this episode we don't really get any more catcher and entrapta interactions but this is a really good one yeah i i i love this one this is without question the best entrapta characterization in the entire realm of this show's canon like by a country mile everything we said about launch with regards to her characterization and and her being uh autistic coded and whatnot just Put all of that in reverse. Yeah, completely pull, pull 180 on that. Because it's like, it's her, like, taking a minute to read the situation and realizing that, oh god, she's having a breakdown. What do I do? I have no idea what to do here. Um, like, she wants, yeah, she's, she, she, she asks, do you need medical attention? I'll just, uh, I'll just go get someone. She has no idea how to deal with this at all. Yeah, she has no, she has no clue. She's, she doesn't have a frame of reference. So, um, I mean, she, empl- she employs uh, a, a trick that Bo taught her, which is to hold someone's hand and just kind of try and comfort them in that way, which, like, that's, I don't know, it's just, it like, just on, on that note by itself is just, like, I just really like the the portrayal of like that g- just genuine effort that's like she doesn't have a frame of reference for this but she's really trying and she like like Katra asks her, you know, how did you how did you do it? How did you get people to forgive you for all the things you did? How did you forgive yourself? And she doesn't know. She just knows that they saw good in her and she wants to live up to that and that she doesn't know how to do it but she just has to try i want to read this whole i actually want to read this bit that entrapta has here this dialogue yeah absolutely after she she uh, grasps catcher's hand here and she says i think they came back for me because they believed that i could be better she says clearly choosing each word as carefully as she can 
They wouldn't leave me even when I asked them to, so I decided I wanted to be the person they thought I was. At first, I didn't know how. I kept messing it up, but they didn't give up on me, and I don't think they've given up on you either. I think you just have to keep trying. It's just, it's really good. It's a, it's so good. It's just like, like it's, it's so night and day from like a lot of the stuff we've gotten with Entrapta. It's just like, if there's any scene, I think more than anything else that I would want put in the show proper of all of this apocryphal canon, I would a hundred percent do this bit. Um, not just because of how important it is to Catra's character, but I think just having a scene in which, like, like Catra even says, you've come along a really long way, you know, like she, cause she has, she really has. It's just, you get, you don't get as, as concrete a sense of it in the actual proper text of the show because you just don't get a, a scene as strong as this. And I think that this this specific scene would have done so much for that. So then comes the end here. And this is this is the part that the picture, the incriminating evidence came from. Yes, the incriminating evidence, which, by the way, was turned into its own animatic, I think, by a fan, actually. Yeah. Um, which, which is really good. And you should look it up. It's on YouTube. It's I, really, I really good. I literally have it open like, right now. <laughs> Um, so after this talk with Kat, uh, with Entrapta, Catra kind of calms down and just thinks about stuff. She actually sleeps, um, and doesn't have any nightmares. And then, uh, Adora comes into her room. I love this description. Adora grins that stupid, dopey grin, idiot. <laughs> um, and it's just, Adora is like, just sort of babbling about oh i'll sleep in here if you want i'll, I'll get a, a cot or something yeah well well to to be clear it's like the the start of that scene is really strong to me because catcher's like listen i'm yeah i'm okay i'm i'm really tired though i think i need to sleep and adora's like going like about to get up to leave like she's about to leave and give her space but catcher's still holding her hand and she's not even looking at adora but she doesn't let go and adora takes a risk and she asks if she can sleep there tonight and she and she you know she makes a a joke about how you know bow and glimmer are probably making out over there and you don't want to don't want to disturb them then yeah then that's when she's like i'll go get a blanket and set up on the floor and then catcher just stops she's like don't be an idiot the bed is huge and I love this this thought from Adora. This just wow, and I imagine I just <laughs> which wow I just in italics by the way. Wow. Wow. Well, I see. I'm imagining the the, the vine. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. So this this is the bit from the animatic. This is the bit from the uh, the, the the fan art, and this is ju- this is just <sighs> so like. Uh, we could just read the whole thing but we'd be here forever um but there, there, there's just so many very good moments like uh catcher telling adora to take her ponytail out or else she'll lose all her hair before she's 30 um there's like there's there's adora going to stroke catcher's hair um 
and and like sort of Catra make cracks a joke about it being the one good thing Prime gave her, and Adora is like very worried. It's like no no no, I wasn't joking about it. Yeah, and then and then Catra's like no no no, it's it's okay, and it's just like this this very like the whole scene is very tense, but not a hostile kind of tension. Both of these people are desperately unsure of themselves but also at the same time more sure than they've ever been and it's a situation that's hard to navigate they're just sort of feeling around in the dark a little bit here um and you know they they have they have an apology scene this is the one they had they had like they don't have this in the show. They have the bit where Catra apologizes um, to Adora over the comms when she's letting Limerglow go. She has the bit where she apologizes to Entrapta. Um, this is the one that is very important. Like, I don't even know if I can read this one. Um, it's is just, I, I will attempt to read this one with a steady voice. Um, so, it's... it's I don't even know where to start. Like, there's so many good bits. Uh, Catra thanks Adora for saving her, and it's uh, the the next paragraph. The next sentence is Adora's wise eyes widen in shock. She's so dumb. Every emotion she feels written across her face, easy for anyone to read. Maybe Catra could learn to be a little bit more like that. Adora Adora whispers back, "I couldn't leave you." Yeah, this is the apology uh, that Catra has. She says, "I'm going to be better." says catcher squeezing her eyes shut i've hurt you a lot i'm sorry and i'm not going to do it again but i know sorry doesn't fix everything and if you ever want me to go i'll go uh, then catcher feels the mattress shift as adora shuffles closer close enough that catcher can feel the breath on her face i don't want you to go she says i want you here with me i really missed you catra <laughs> and then they curl up together this sentence is incredible uh the embrace is a little awkward not as easy as and careless as it had been when they were children but it doesn't matter it's a start it's it's amazing yeah they they curl up against each other (sighs) katra tucks her head under dora's chin and just nestles into her chest and just is purring she's purring (sighs) she's purring Adora just like Catra's purr vibrating against her chest. She can't believe this is happening, but she's too tired to question it. She buries her face in Catra's hair and lets her purring lull her to sleep. It's just like, oh god, it's so much. <laughs> it's, uh, oh my god, it's like the most in it. it I just so badly wish that that was in an episode. I want to see it animated. I want to hear them say it. Like I know, I know. Oh man, it's just like it. It it, it reveals so much about their relationship and about Catra's like whole arc. Because this this is the thing that people are like, well, she didn't apologize enough. Well, one, I don't think that's true. And two, like all. Here's the thing. All of the things that are expressed in this fic, you can find in the text of the show, regardless of looking at this as canon or not. Like, it doesn't matter. Everything in here, you can see if you, like, look at look at the show. But this makes it extremely textual, like, right up there, just giving it to you. 
Exactly, exactly. It's just, it's, like, these are scenes that if they could have found a way to get them into the show, I cannot imagine that heaven or hell would have stopped them from doing it, because, like, uh, it's just... important. This, this is like... This is this is stuff that is all in 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 the in in the show like at least in implication but here it's laid out so like it's just it's it's genuinely a really beautiful piece of writing. I think that like it's probably one of my favorite like pieces of fan fiction I've read. It's just good. Like ultimately it's just really good. It's just really good. It's very it's very economical right it's extremely everything is picked out extremely carefully and and you can tell this is written by someone who does a lot of screenwriting because a lot of it feels like extended cues this feels like the extension of screen direction like this is the kind of stuff you would see if the margins between paragraphs were just a little bit bigger and it carries that like extremely it's it's very punchy it's very to the point but it carries a lot of weight with every word of it and and it it just works exceptionally well so that was our bonus episode on save the cat script the uh animatic and save the cat and the fan fiction which ended up running way longer than i thought it would holy shit oh i a hundred percent thought this was gonna be like an hour long like i i didn't have any i didn't have any uh doubt that this was gonna be a long one yeah so listen if you haven't read the fic go read it if you're listening by now hopefully you read it uh we'll link we will also include that animatic in the notes don't worry um after we stop recording this, I'm just gonna go watch that again. Oh yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's really good. But yeah, I, I guess that's it for this one. Uh, until next time, I have been one of your hosts, Nero, and I've been the other host, Jane. And uh, you are dismissed, Force Captains. <laughs>